This is an unscripted woman, and I am Lael Cooper Jepson. Since releasing my book at the end of 2015, many of you have expressed a desire to hear me read an audio version of Unscripted, my book. This podcast is my response to that desire. Each week, beginning in September of 2016, I will be reading a chapter from my book aloud on this podcast and then riffing a bit on what I'm aware of and what I've learned since writing that chapter. You'll find that each episode title will have a corresponding title in the podcast. Beyond that, I'm not sure where this is going, but I'm willing to find out. I hope you'll join me. Follow this podcast on SoundCloud or subscribe to it via iTunes so that each new podcast will appear in your feed. If you follow my blog or my She Changes Facebook page, you'll see each episode posted there beginning in September. As always, you can always find out more about me and my business, She Changes, by visiting www.shechanges.com. So here we go. An Invocation I was all sweaty and cranky, cursing myself for not allowing more time that morning as I raced up the highway and into the woods in search of the barn I should have been in ten minutes ago. My friend was substitute teaching for the regular dance instructor, and the invitation to join her this morning had felt divinely placed, falling into a patch of unexpected open time on a morning when I usually see clients. With summer right around the corner in Maine, it felt like a delicious chance to play hooky and try something new, like a happy accident, even as I resisted it. Her invitation was one of those sparkly ones that felt so compelling and full of serendipity that you find yourself nodding in, in agreement, even if you don't understand why. Those are the times I have felt most guided and on a particular path, and I've learned to pay attention to them. And that is how I found myself that Wednesday morning, driving to an unknown, unknown location, late and lost, wandering around somebody's wooded property as I tried to read my friend's directions on my phone, mumbling, gorgeous barn, gorgeous barn, where the fuck is the gorgeous barn? I was cursing my instincts even as I followed them. Arriving late, feeling flustered with some leaves stuck in my hair, I immediately felt conspicuous in the calm and serene gathering of women sitting in a circle on the floor. As we started to dance, I could feel my head yelling at me that I was doing something wrong. I wasn't graceful enough, calm enough, or present enough. My head was telling me I should have stayed home or gone to work and had been productive. I was on the verge of tears because of this inner tornado brewing in me when I heard my friend ask the woman in the barn that a question as we were dancing. How would you move if this were a prayer? There it was again, that invitation to move through my life from the inside out, not just with my head or certain sanctioned bits and pieces of me, but to feel my way with my entire body and my whole being, to show up in the world as I am, not as, not as I have been told I should be by myself or someone else. Versions of that same question had dogged me for years, finding me in child's pose on the yoga mat, dancing my heart out, swimming in the black waters of a lake, nursing my child in the dark of night, sunbaked and up to my ankles in the garden dirt, 
or slick and sated after making love with my husband. Inside that question lived the heart of my desire. I want to be more fearless. I want to see that I am enough just as I am. I want to see and love myself as well as others see and love me. I want to trust, honor, and act upon my instincts more. I want to take more risks and make bolder choices. I want to take up more space and not feel the need to apologize or explain. I want to feel vital, be present, feel free. Again, how would you move if this were a prayer? Her invitation was not just to think about our answer, but to embody it through movement. I closed my eyes and found myself reaching my arms out wide and then my legs like a starfish. I started shaking them to the beat of the music as tears ran down my cheeks and I felt myself, my presence, grow and expand outside boundaries I hadn't even realized were containing me. My body heat rose. I could sense rays of light shooting out of the ends of my fingers and tendrils while a cord dropped down from my tailbone and connected me to the ground. I felt like I was part of the earth's pulse. And then I moved, my long arms reaching up, gathering and connecting with something unseen, bending at the waist. I swirled them down to the ground as if I were casting seeds about the soil. My entire body, my hips, my head, my heart, my hands, wanted to move in the shape of a figure eight or an infinity sign, and I let it. The more I moved, the more alive I felt. The more I danced, the more connected I became to myself, the women dancing with me, and the earth on which I stood. I felt a prayer waking up inside my body. Be more expansive. I wanted to learn more of my inner terrain, some of it lurking in the dark and some of it blindingly bright, and assume responsibility for what is rightfully mine. I wanted to take up more space inside myself, and in doing so, allow myself to take up more space in the world. I wanted to see value in that desire to expand as an act of service, a catalyst for change, a labor of love. I wanted to stop following so many scripts, scripts others had given to me, scripts I had written myself, scripts I had picked up along the way that had me living in a box too tightly contained. I wanted to live more freely, maybe even go without a script. Unscripted. What did that even mean? I took the long way home from a dance class that morning, reflecting on what I had unearthed for myself and started to wonder how I might better use my life to be a living prayer. I had first heard of that idea in the wake of my late sister-in-law's death, hearing that beautiful Alison Krauss song, A Living Prayer. At the same moment, I saw the scope and magnitude of the lives Grace had touched with her own. A Living Prayer. Creating change by simply and consciously and consistently radiating what's inside me out into the world by burning with an intention so bright I am luminous and able to be seen clearly by others, living a prayer by sending an electric ripple of vitality that extends outward in such a way that it illuminates, vibrates, and even has a magnetic pull. I thought of the change I wanted to create in the world and how passionate I was about women leading. I thought about the fiery, fierce, and outspoken way I had pursued my work in the world and realized 
that wanting something with my whole heart wasn't the same as embodying that desire. I had missed the point, or at least half of it. There it was, the realization that I had been using half of myself. I had been nailing the strategy, but missing the prayer. I'd been investing in the science, but not feeding the art. I'd been taking action, but not rooting myself in belief. I was a blur of motion, but I wasn't entirely present. When I was in my early 20s, I worked for a boarding school in western Massachusetts. Part of my duties included being a coach and a dorm parent, which meant that I frequently needed to drive a van full of sweaty and hormone-charged teenagers all over creation, to the mall and the movies on the weekend, to cross-country and track meets, to Boston and other boarding schools for dances and socials. Inevitably, I was assigned the dreaded van number three. In hindsight, now as a parent myself, and realizing the responsibility I had been entrusted with other people's children, I marvel that this van was allowed to even be on the road. It was like driving a 30-foot-long wet noodle and actually required a fair degree of strength just to keep it steady and on the road. The one perk of van number three, however, was its dual gas tank. At the flick of a switch, I had a whole other gas tank I could tap into when I needed it. No need to stop the van or frantically search for an open gas station. Just flick the switch and presto, problem solved. This dual gas tank has become an apt metaphor to describe this increasingly vague sensation I've had as I've lived into my 40s. This feeling that there is more in me I can use, like I've got a switch somewhere I can throw that would grant me access to more fuel that I sense is there but cannot yet see. What I've come to appreciate is that the one gas tank I've been using quite religiously, as if it's my only gas tank, is my masculine energy, the side of me that is direct, ambitious, competitive, independent, and aggressive about pursuing my goals in life. It has served me well, that tank. I know just how far I can run the needle into the red before I need to get serious about looking for a gas station. I know how much it will cost me to fill it up and how many miles I can expect to get per gallon. My masculine energy and I have had many awesome road trips together, ones chock full of adventure and learning that have helped me make me who who I am. I have no regrets. But sometimes, many times in fact, I've let it run out of gas. In those cases, desperate and stranded on the side of the road, I've miraculously been able to find that elusive switch to the auxiliary tank. That auxiliary tank is the feminine energy in me, that side of me that craves silence and is nourished through the senses, the side of me that can feel my way through life just by paying attention to the emotions in my heart or the instincts and intuition in my body, the side of me that is deeply spiritual, highly creative, and thoroughly sensual. It was as if I only used the fuel in that feminine tank when I needed some reserve energy to get me to a gas station to fill up the empty tank, the real gas tank, my masculine. Like driving on the donut tire when I got a flat tire, I was careful to drive slowly and treated my feminine energy as a temporary fix to an unfortunate problem. Then, once I was safely at a gas station, my masculine energy restored and topped off, I would throw the switch back, tear out of the station, push cruise control, and never look back. 
That brief time driving on my feminine fuel became a distant memory and an embarrassing episode I'd just as soon not think about. Up until recently, this construct had been working for me. But then, sometime in my mid-40s, a craving started to happen. I couldn't quite name it at first. It was just this persistent gnawing or a distant memory of an untapped reservoir of wisdom, insight, and power in me bubbling up to the surface. I'm calling it the feminine because I truly believe that's what it is. The feminine half of me has sneaked in from time to time. I've smelled it, tasted it, felt it, but only on rare occasions like when I'm most depleted or in deepest need. It's also come near when I'm most relaxed, like on vacation or having a hot shower after a long run. But those experiences have been fast and fleeting, an infrequent visitor to the home of an unwilling and awkward host, I suspect, and tired of being elbowed aside by the masculine in me. I've decided that half is not enough. I want all of me, without the excuses, explanations, justifications, qualifications, or negotiations that happen in my mind. I want to understand how I am culpable in denying access to my feminine half. I believe I have been an active and willing participant in this de depletion of my own natural resources, and I want to see my role in that more clearly so I can be myself more fully. Ultimately, I want to live the fullest range of who I am and rely on myself as a trusted ally in this quest. I love men. I married one, and I grew three more inside my body. But when I say I love men, it's not in the way you might think. I'm not just attracted to them. I actually relate to them. When I was young, I called myself a tomboy, and so did others. Now I cringe at the term because I can see now, I can see how it started me down the path of disassociating from my woman's body. As I grew older, the euphemism morphed into one of the guys, and I wore that badge with pride, not shame. In many ways, I still do because I know what it's pointing me to, my masculine energy. I've been naturally drawn to conversations and interactions with men my entire life, feeling an affinity I never quite understood as a woman. What I've come to appreciate is that this is me being drawn to the masculine energy that men so freely give themselves permission to honor and express. Things like directness, unbridled ambition, physicality, confidence, and commanding presence. All of that is in me too, but it has often been squelched, qualified, or shamed by myself and others. I have envied the freedom men seem to possess in expressing that masculine energy, as if it's their birthright as a male. It makes sense that I chose to align myself with men in the first half of my life. Being comfortable with the masculine has allowed me to design a life that fully leverages that side of myself. My masculine energy is robust, enduring, and a familiar companion, much like my favorite pair of Levi jeans or fry boots. They feel good on me, and I find myself reaching for them often because, bonus, they never seem to go out of style. Our society can't seem to get enough of that energy, praying at the altar of the masculine, rewarding it, cultivating it, holding it up as the ideal. But as much as I've learned to embrace that masculine side of myself, I know in my heart of hearts that this is just half of my truth. 
half of me. Put in the context of that belief that women hold up half the sky, I was starting to see where I was falling down in my own life. I wasn't holding up half of my own sky as a woman. I was proudly holding up my masculine, but begrudgingly holding up my feminine. One was a known commodity that had served me well. The other was an inconvenient liability that felt like a secret shame, even as it became a ferocious hunger in me. But as I settled into myself as a woman, eventually building a business designed to support myself and other women in holding up our skies, one thing became glaringly obvious. I needed both halves to be whole, and it would be up to me to make that happen for myself. How does it feel to unleash the full power of both masculine and feminine energies inside a woman's body? If you had asked me that question a year ago, I would have said I had absolutely no fucking idea. That was before I dug in and got dirty inside myself for that answer and was spending more energy than I care to admit doing research, scouring the web and bookstores for someone else's response to that question. Understanding how those two energies worked inside my woman's body was one of the primary intentions in writing this book. You'll see me define each, wrestle with both, reconcile their differences, highlight places where they work against each other, and identify ways they might work in concert. Sometimes it will be me piecing together my own story and looking at it with fresh eyes. And sometimes it will be reflecting on the patterns I see emerging from the women who work with me. I'll also be referencing plenty of resources along the way, weaving in thoughts and concepts from a book I've read. You can find some of my favorites in the resources section at the end of the book, or a story I've heard. All of this will be with the intention of more clearly seeing these two distinct energies and how they live or languish within me. Why is this so important to me? Because I believe in being whole. That belief is what lives at the epicenter of this book. This is my story of actively engaging myself with that desire and then living it. What began as an exploration led to a conversation which developed into a framework and ultimately became my living prayer. My aim is to understand myself, to learn or better remember the essence of who I am through the use of story. Stories, unlike scripts, which tend to be more prescriptive and instructional, have always worked for me. They are evocative by nature and have me connect with a feeling that is more informative than the words themselves. Stories are, like, are deeply personal and go to work in my heart as an acupuncture needle works in my body, unblocking and returning the full flow of life force to me. In many ways, this process of piecing together stories has had me feeling like that red-headed, fiery protagonist Marinda from Pixar's movie Brave after she's thrown from her horse in a circle of stones, which is coincidentally the title of my She Changes blog. Marinda is lured into the dark woods by a trail of glowing blue wisps, which promise to answer lifelong questions and show seekers their fates. Like that character, I was being led somewhere completely unknown and yet entirely familiar, almost primal or archetypal. 
I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I wrote this for you too, so that you might not feel so alone or crazy or both. I have been that woman who feels isolated, even when surrounded by well-intentioned people and often misunderstood. I have reached beside my bed in the middle of the night, thumbing through stacks of books I have inevitably accumulated, looking for some validation, some crumb of insight, or a glimmer of understanding that will lead me back to myself, my wisdom, my voice, and what I know to be true. But ultimately, I was searching for a reason to feel the way I was feeling, to want what I was wanting. The gift of this lifetime is that I have been able to do the work of women with women as a woman. I have the privilege of getting to work with women individually and collectively as they find their way back to the deep sources of wisdom and power that live within themselves. As such, I do a lot of my own personal work with them in mind, which has bolstered my spirit spirit when I'm tired, frustrated, or scared, and spurred me on when I sense I'm onto something worth exploring more. Whenever I turn over a rock in myself and see something that's hard to look at, or I'm vexed by a knot in myself that I could possibly ignore and work around, I think of all the women I know and am buoyed by their courage. I speak openly and honestly about my experience as a woman with my clients as well as with larger audiences through my blog, social media, or speaking on stage and continue to marvel at how my story and perspective resonates with so many of you. That connection to have another woman join you by sharing her own story is so affirming and orienting to me, rather like that game we used to play in the pool when one person with her eyes shut shouts out, Marco, and then hears Polo echoed back. I feel you out there. While I'm not going to assume that my experience, beliefs, and stories are also yours, I'm inviting you to come along on this journey as I'm having it, not after it's over and tied up with a neat red bow, which will never happen because I'm quite certain I'll be living this prayer for the remainder of my days. I'm hoping that by inviting you to witness me as I seek to figure this out for myself, it will inspire you to do the same. You might fly through the stories embedded in these pages because they resonate deeply with your own. Conversely, you might stumble on a word, an image, or a way of thinking that creates an opening, perhaps even an irritation. You'll see I have bolded some of my own questions and insights with just this purpose in mind. In those instances, my hope is that you put down the book and follow your own lead to see what's there for you. Feel free to live in the tension of these pages. Watch for me to contradict myself, because I promise you I will. And see if you can find the contradictions in you. I hope you are patient and impatient. I hope you take your sweet fucking time, and I hope you get a move on, and don't wait a second longer to have more of you in your life. I hope you get steeped in sacred thoughts, and I hope you laugh maniacally and are completely irreverent. I hope you are intentional about why you pick this up, and I hope it was serendipity at work, leading you to yet another clue to guide you on your path. I hope this opens you up to new perspectives, and I hope you plug more deeply into your own truth. Yield to whim as you read this book. Know that there is no right or wrong way to be with it. Trust that you'll know what's meant for you when you read it. You'll feel it. 
and allow the rest to fade away. Don't carry what you don't need. And above all, and this is the hardest ask I'll make of you, please extend to yourself the same gracious patience and latitude in reading this as I gave myself in writing it. I won't ask you to be gentle or kind or loving to yourself because, frankly, writing this was a bit of an ugly street fight for me at times, so that might be an unfair ask. Just be present and notice what you notice because, really, that's more than enough. So that's the opening chapter from my book, Unscripted, entitled Invocation. And here's a bit of a riff on it. If I go back to that question, how would you move if this were a prayer, that, that is exactly where I am right now. I, am, I wrote the book. I, I gathered all these stories. I pieced together stuff. And now I'm in the process of figuring out what that means for me on a daily basis, how I'm living my prayer. But I do know it means this. It means I'm not fighting myself or what is showing itself to me as much as I used to. I'm yielding more. And I hear a lot of women talking about that, that very thing these days, that they're just so damn tired of fighting at every turn, fighting their minds, fighting the status quo, fighting um, oppression, fighting systems that just seem antiquated. Um, so they're also wanting to sort of put down, put it all down and look for a different way. And I would assert it is a feminine way of leading that I and many of my clients are moving into. And the words that I being I, I hear being used and that I am using more frequently, and I think you just heard it in some of my writing, are words like luminous or lit up or lighting the way. There are so many references, and I'd invite you to really listen for them to um, light. Um, so women are talking a lot about wanting to be luminous. And in my particular case, I talk about vibrating with an intention, so such a clear intention that I am luminous. Um, and that is how I'm seeking to create change for myself and in the work that I do in the world. And it brings me to this other thing that I picked up the other day. One of my friends posted it on um, Instagram or on Facebook. It was, or maybe she wrote about it in her blog post. It doesn't matter. But it's an African proverb that reads, as you pray, move your feet. And that was luminous for me. That was like a, a little glowing cell that I grabbed because it perfectly described for me what I'm seeking to do. I'm seeking to live my life as a prayer and also move, to move myself, to move the world, as Christina Aguilera says in her song. Um, and so as you pray, move your feet. In the work that I do with women, um, I got clear on this not too long ago, the women that I work with, are willing to engage their desires as much, they're willing to engage their fear and their desire in equal measure. And so that's really, really key because a lot of times we just go after the desire and we tell ourselves to be fearless. And I think that is where we drop the ball on ourselves. Um, 
engaging our fear has us engage at the edges of ourselves and have a dialogue around what is it that we're afraid of, what would it look like, and to embrace that fear, not have it be comfortable at all, but to engage it um, with more curiosity versus bullying it into submission. So engaging your fear as much as your desire, that is a way that we will, as the proverb says, move your feet. As you pray, move, move your feet. So it means for me being very clear at any point in time, what is my intention here? That is my prayer. What is my intention here? And asking myself that question a lot. And that question is so important to me because it has me more closely align who I am with how I show up in the world and what actions I take. And along those lines, I am going, I'm so curious about other people's living prayer. As I've said that phrase to women more and more and to bigger and bigger audiences, they all sort of moan when they hear it, even though they don't understand what it means fully. Sometimes I don't even understand what it means, a living prayer. But when they hear that phrase, they moan. And so I will be doing an event, um, another evening of women's storytelling that I have done in the past called She Speaks. You can find out more about it on my website. But I'll be doing another She Speaks on December 8th of this year here in Portland, Maine. And that will be the theme, your, A Living Prayer. And the question, the stories that I'll be asking this, the women who are telling stories that night to sit with is what is your living prayer and and how are you how are you living it are you living it so that's what I'll leave you with today what is your living prayer and are you leaving are you living it